We all wanna be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. All right. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and coach, Brittany King, and I got a special episode for you today, my friends. I have Carson Daly with me on the show today, and Carson is a crypto culture pioneer and a brand building expert. I would consider you more like a trailblazer because you got into this crypto world before it started to become like this trendy thing. So I'm so excited to learn from you, Carson. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yes. Trailblazer is one way to put it, or just like naive. I think I got into it when it was still like pure and special. (laughs) So much has happened in the last couple of years, but I'm still here. I'm still alive. So we're good. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you share a little bit about what you do, um, what you're up to in the world, and then we'll get into it. Well, to be honest, I don't do very much right now. I'm like trying to become a professional gardener, like working on my garden outside. (laughs) But I am a podcast host. (laughs) Yeah, gardening. I wanted to start like a side profile called The Gardening Bitch, where I just like do like, where I just like gardening and doing like, get ready with me to go gardening. Here I am in like my my Gucci gardening shorts or whatever. But so that's a, we'll talk about that on a later date when I'm promoting gardening bitch but um, we'll save that for another episode yes yes I have to start it actually but I have my own podcast called Carson Daily Show which is produced by Decentral Media which is a web3 media startup company and on my show I really it is even though Decentral is very focused on crypto web3 nfts my show kind of lives outside the orbit like I'm really obsessed with tech and internet culture. I think that Web3 and crypto are like an inevitable evolution of the internet and of technology, which is like such a big part of our lives today. But like, if you think back only 10 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, just how different the world is, that kind of helps you, I think, put yourself into perspective of like, what can be and what will be. So that's like the world that I like to live in. And I love talking to people who are, you know, like early social media and internet pioneers and trailblazers, because they had the foresight to see that you could build an audience and build influence and build a brand online using just, you know, your digital identity, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But that's my passion. Um, I started in a marketing kind of role at an animated media, like special collectible art toys company, a startup in Burlington, Vermont, where I'm originally from and really got a taste for NFTs and kind of this world of the metaverse there. And then decided to leave the company I had been with for three years and kind of hit my ceiling at and start my own um, web three marketing and consulting company, which I still have. And yeah, so besides gardening bitch and podcasting host and consulting on the side, 
uh, keep it pretty, keep it pretty chill over here in the UK. Okay. I love that for so many reasons, because I'm on a mission to help women reinvent success. And I love mm. that you're like, I just want to be a full-time gardener. Like to me, <laughs> that is success. When you know there's something in your life that you love so much and like, that's what you want to do. Like that is yes. 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 Look, I learned when I started my consulting company, like, and I started that journey, I moved to LA, like, which was always my dream since I was a child. I did it all on my own. I was so obsessed with, like you're saying, this concept of success. What did it mean? And like, for me, it meant money. Like, I'm not afraid to answer that. I think women are like, too shy about talking about like how much they want to make money and be wealthy. And that's fine. But I realized like, at one point, I had like so many consulting partners and like, was making so much money. And I was so tired and burnt out. And I never could give like 100% of myself in any capacity, like professionally, personally, and I realized that like, what success is and like the best thing that kind of like money can buy is just time and freedom. And once you have that, once you like open, you start your day thinking like, I'm going to do what I want today. That might be working, working on your brand, working on your business, going into work, or it might be gardening. It might be nothing like to have the freedom and flexibility to choose that and like put yourself first. Like that's success for me. Like, I think I've, I'm peaking here. Like I'm good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I think that that's so important to, to touch on. It's like, yes, we identify money with success. And that's like one way that our society has measured success, right? The status, how much money you're making. Um, yes. But it's true. Like when you're exhausted and you can't even enjoy the money you're making because you're so exhausted and burnt out, it really comes down to like, what's the point of all of this? Like, why are we doing yes. this? Are we burning ourselves into the ground just so we have all of this money that we can't even enjoy? So mm -hmm. I love that this is how this conversation started. I wasn't planning on this conversation starting this way, <laughs> but I just wanted to highlight that because it is so important for people listening that we've been sold a lie on what success is yes. and it's so subjective and to be able to listen to yourself and be like, decide what success is to you and then go out and live that is like yes. key to fulfillment. So, Snapping. Uh, <laughs> yes, girl. So, okay. I, I kind of, I want to start with, um, digital identity. I want to talk about digital identity and how to protect and preserve it. So talk to me mm -hmm. about how you walk through this with your clients. Well, so the first thing to like kind of understand about digital identity is that we all already have one. Like, and in a lot of ways, it is so like, entrenched in our like personal selves that like we don't even notice that we have it like if you use face id to open your phone like to unlock your phone or to get into your online banking like that is a, one aspect in one pillar of your digital identity like we are constantly signing on we're showing parts of our lives online like instagram is digital identity content is digital identity like having these conversations over zoom like i consider a practice and a way to like participate in having our digital identity but what we don't often think about and what because maybe like we were like steamrolled by like having technology and iphones like kind of take over our lives is that 
we don't really know who owns that. And so when we don't know who owns our data and our identity and like our face and our biometrics, we don't know how to protect ourselves. And in a lot of ways, I think the harsh reality is, is that we're not going to be able to 100%. Like we're never going to 100% be able to have control over who knows what about us, what company, what organization, or what person down the road knows about us, especially online. But there are ways, I think, that we are seeing even more technology and software emerge that allows us to reclaim a little bit of it. And that's kind of what happens when we start thinking about Web3 and how we interact with the internet and with the technology in our own capacity where we control it. We are the arbiters of our data Mm -hmm. i'll stop there or i'll just keep going (laughs) (laughs) well i'm like tell me more (laughs) so okay so how does web3 allow you to be more in control of your digital identity and your data essentially the way that let me think of like the most simplified way to do it like it's a hard question but Basically, with Web3, like you are owning your participation in certain like soft, what you can think of is like the software or the activities that are available. So when we think of Web2, what we most often think about is like online interactions, mm-hmm. like on social media or even like Zoom, like where we didn't have that ability before to kind of communicate from a long distances in real time. Mm-hmm. We're in web three, we get to determine like how we show up. So when it comes to like crypto, you have, a, you sign up with a digital wallet, you create your digital wallet. That wallet is only owned by you. So it's protected by what's called a seed phrase, which is essentially just like a really long password of 12 to 24 words. Mm-hmm. And the only difference is between that and like your online banking password is that if you get locked out of your online bank, you can call your bank and they can help you reset your password or you can go into the bank and you can verify that it's you. With Web3 and crypto, there is no bank. There is no customer service. So there's there's pros and cons to that, right? Because if the bank can help me identify my access my account and identify myself, that also means that they themselves can, right? And with Web3, like in crypto, if I can't get on and nobody else can, that means I'm solely responsible for the funds or what I keep there. And if I lose that access code, then I'm basically fucked. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> when okay. we think about it, there's pros and cons. But it's really like, I think the most, I'm trying to think of like, there's um, a really good like visual, like infographic that shows like web one, web two and web three, where it's like, sign on you know with your password or username or like connect your wallet basically but like your wallet is essentially a unique code that is attached to your name that only you have control over so it's basically owning the internet and owning your participation in it instead of tying it to a larger organization or company that actually truly owns it and lets you be active in it okay that makes sense i would be so i forget my password all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah same same one thing like I was I was the girl I was the girl who had the same password like like literally the same password for everything in my whole life and once I started like down my web three rabbit hole I immediately was like 
I'm getting like unique password generators to two factor authentication, like everything's I'm like, this is insane. And like, I need to be more careful. Yeah. Like if, if people, if people turn this podcast episode off and the one thing that I can teach them is like download like LastPass or some kind of two factor authenticator, password protection vault and change all your passwords, like random things and thank me later. Like when that's a data breach, that's enough. Yeah. That's the first step toward totally. like protecting your digital identity. Yeah. That was my next question. I use LastPass and it's amazing because I, I was the person that always had the problem remembering my password. Um, but so that's the first step in protecting your digital identity. What's the next step? I mean, I think just awareness, like if the more aware you can be of how you are like participating on the internet, like it seems so like soapboxy and probably like, I don't even know if I practice what I preach, but like read some of the terms and conditions, like check your privacy settings on these, like the most common apps that you use, like see what you're doing. Use a VPN. Like I always say, I've said this to my fiance the other day, I should have like a, a an influencer code for Nord VPN, but Nord is probably like my favorite VPN software. A VPN is just like, a, it basically protects your privacy networks and nobody can figure out like where you're kind of searching from or operating from on your computer. Use it on your phone, your laptop, your desktop, whatever. But I think these are like simple. So that's probably step two and three is like know what your privacy settings are on these apps that you use every single day. And step three is maybe just for peace of mind, use a VPN, mm. which is so easy. All you have to do is install it and then turn it on when you sign on to your computer. You can automate it and you never have to think about it again and you never have to worry. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems like such a simple step to take. So that just protects your... Does that protect your data and your location and what else does it do? It's mostly just about like protecting your location. I think it, it, while you protect your location, you have an easier time protecting your data as well because mm -hmm. people can't kind of see where you're coming from and access that and then infiltrate it if you say you use the same password. <laughs> so, how, so then how easy is it for someone to find your location with just the things that you're doing on the internet? I mean, I'm not a hacker, but like probably pretty easy. Like I, I mean, so I can say like one, I'll give like a personal story. So, and there's kind of two parts to this personal story, but so I started a telegram group at one point. I don't know if people know what telegram is, but basically it's like, ch I don't know, chat rooms. So I can't even describe like it. WhatsApp, and, yeah. In encrypted messaging, whatever. Well, when I started this like group, I didn't realize that, or when I created my account, I didn't realize that my personal phone number was visible. So I had received a message from somebody that was like within the group that was kind of creepy, like in part, a little bit like it became like an online stalker situation for like a very intense 24 hours. And my phone number was connected. So they got my phone number. They were then using like robo calling to call me from a number of different messages, a number of different phone numbers that were all untraceable. Then I couldn't track where they were. Then they went on to Instagram. And instead of like using, looking at my Instagram, they found out like my best friend's Instagram who I hadn't even tagged anything. She posted a story 
that we were at a Lakers game and then they were messaging me and calling me saying that basically they were going to kill me outside of crypto.com arena in LA, like after this Lakers game. But these are just like the hackers and like digital, like, I don't know, stalkers, people that want to scare you and hurt you, they're going to try to, and they know how to get through. So if you can just simply follow somebody's Instagram account to get to one of their friends who didn't even tag them in a story, but that you know that they're with them. Mm-hmm. Like these are the steps that people can take. It's, it's not hard. Like there's a lot of ways that people can use the web to intimidate you and to scam you and hack you. Like, I think, I don't know. Short answer is that it's probably pretty simple for a lot of people that you just have to be aware. Yeah. Yeah. I read an article the other day, actually, about a family who got a call from someone and they thought it was their daughter mm-hmm. saying she was in a, in a car accident and yeah. it was this whole thing. And in the end, they found out that someone used her voice AI, yeah, AI, and called the parents and was trying to get money out of them. And like, it was yeah. like worst nightmare turned into just a really creepy situation, but turned mm-hmm. out their daughter was okay. Yeah. And I read that article and I was like, what? Like this, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So Mm -hmm. this, this concept of protecting and preserving your digital identity, I think is just so it's so important. And I don't think it's talked about enough. So is there anything else in terms of protecting and preserving your digital identity that you would offer to someone that kind of puts it all out there on the internet? Um, I mean, like this is going to be the hot take or like the unpopular popular like advice but like maybe consider not putting it all out there on the internet like I know it's so hard and like these are the types of things like that I like to talk to people about in my podcast because so many people have built their brands around this digital identity and a big piece of that is like showing you know a very large portion of their life like giving a huge look into your life or to the point where like you know, people know who your kids are, they know this, but you have to remember that like, that is like a one way mirror where people are or two way mirror, sorry, where people are sat on the other side, like you don't know who's sat on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I think like, it is worth asking, like, as a society, like, and as a culture, like, why do we have to show everything? Like, where does that need come from? Like, if it is about your business, and if it is about your brands, like, how about thinking about like what the boundaries are of what you're comfortable with. And if it is really just about like self-indulgence, like I'm sorry to say, but like, I think there's that social media and like this web two generation that we exist in, like it has created this pressure to show everything to like present a certain part of ourselves to the world that like, we really don't have to like, it's, I think this is something that I've learned over the last you know, couple of months to, if not, you know, a year now is that like, you don't have to say everything you're thinking online and you don't have to post everything you're doing online. Mm. That's like the harsh and like hardest step to overcome and like protecting yourself. Yeah. I I think this actually has been a topic in my brain. I've, I've had this chat with my sister recently too, especially having a, a baby. And I, we have had this like such a such a dance of like sharing and like sharing this like mm-hmm. new part of my life as a part of a, a business owner and a new mom and you know mm-hmm. being able to speak to that. 
but then also mm-hmm. wanting to uh, protect her privacy. Cause like she didn't, yeah, like she, she can't give me consent to put her on exactly. the internet. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting. Cause I'm like looking to other business owner moms and seeing what they're doing. I'm like, how are they doing it? How are they protecting? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's just that practice of don't look outward, look inward. If something doesn't feel right, right to you, you have to check in with that and make decisions based off of that. Um, so it's been very fascinating because it just never even crossed my mind. Like I was just like, yeah. it's just what you do. And then I started questioning it and being like, I don't actually know if this is what I want to be doing. Yeah, 100%. balance of being a brand, having a business that I built through social media, but again, like checking out those boundaries of deciding how much to share, when to share it. Mm-hmm. And right. Cause you don't know who's on the other side of that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting because so this is like funny, but I met my partner, my now fiance, um, through like this whole crypto world he's an artist and he was selling his art as nfts and i was sort of collecting them and we have a beautiful love story where he slid into my dms and blah 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 but he is considered pseudo anonymous so he wears a mask like a ski mask when he's when he makes public appearances so whether he does a podcast or a live interview or a panel in person or an event he wears a ski mask and he's never revealed his name he goes by you know his like artist name and he is somebody who only ever posted like his art online like he would post some like kind of revealing i would say like personal information as far as just like his thoughts like use of twitter as a diary just like the rest of us but it was really like not until we kind of integrated our lives together that I realized like my like obsession to like post everything. And like, I'm like, Oh my God, I have a boyfriend and I can't post him on my grid. Like, ah! <laughs> like, wh- like my world is falling apart. But like, then I thought of like, well, why do I need all these people? I don't even know who they are. Why do I need them to validate my existence through like my digital identity and my di- the digital kind of capturing of my life like mm-hmm. when I have a partner it's like boundary to respect like and that's kind of what my thought process has been like when it comes to because he has a I he has a five-year-old son so I have a five-year-old stepson like we talk about family planning and I think about like the same things you're thinking about well what about like when I have a baby and like I want to po- like post my baby or I want to post my stepson and like you have to think about like these things and I think having a partner who has these strong boundaries and who has mm-hmm. created his brand around that boundary helps me to kind of like clear the mud in my own mind about it. Mm. It's so funny that you say that. My my husband does not, he is doesn't have an Instagram. He deleted it all. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, but it, it, he is also the one that got me started thinking about it, you know? Yeah. And we've talked about that balance of sharing, like be, being very intentional about how I share, um, mm-hmm. but then also being respectful of that, that boundary yeah. for our family, because it's real. And it's like, you just don't think about it until you start hearing these stories and you start seeing it from a different perspective. And then it just makes you question everything. So, so true. So I'm true. curious with, so web three, so mm-hmm. there's web one. Now we're in like art, I would say 
our generation or like my generation's like web two, like this, like the boom yes. of the internet. And so now yes. we're moving into web three. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you use the internet every single day and you're on web two, you know, how do you yes. get started with web three? Like, how does that, how does that transition happen? Oh God. Well, I mean, like I was saying before, like with web three, it's kind of like it, the best way to say it, like, and also to use like a buzzword in kind of this space is like, it is about decentralizing the internet. So like, instead of having these centralized authorities like Meta or Google or Apple, you're kind of decentralizing that ownership. So right now where web three is happening is like, I think Blue Sky is basically, it's a Jack Dorsey who founded Twitter. He launched Blue Sky, which Blue Sky is kind of like the best version. Like I wouldn't say it's Web 2.5, but maybe like Web 2.75 as far as like having a decentralized social media channel where there's like no algorithms, like just your feed is your feed. It's randomized. Like you own your, all of your data and you own all of your content on there. But then I would say probably the most popular use case right now for like Web3 is cryptocurrency, which is basically just a, you know, it is just currency that is decentralized. So there's no, you know, whatever the big banks are, like there's no JP Morgan, there's no central authority that controls your money but it, it lives on the blockchain and you are the owner of that currency and you're the only person who, who can access it unless somebody else has your seed phrase. Okay. So <laughs> there's people that don't, let's say like people don't evolve into web three. What are, what is like, is there a consequence to not evolving with it? Or is it just going to be one of those things that like it just naturally evolves and everyone if you're not an early adopter, you will get on board one day. I think it's going to happen in ways that are subtle. Like, Mm -hmm. so um, the Federal Reserve just launched a program called FedNow, which basically like will, it will allow you to make like instant transactions through for like, say your taxes or whatever. So instead of like that money needing to be kind of processed and sent out or like you wait for your check or your refund check or whatever, these transactions will all be instant. And this essentially is like a web three technology, but it's being utilized. the, The technology itself is being utilized in like this what is a web two world mm-hmm. same with like so visa just um announced visa plus which basically allows you to bridge payments between i think i want to say the ca- cash app and paypal so right now like if we wanted to send each other money if we wanted to make a wire to each other because i live in the uk right now and you are i'm assuming are in the us i i don't have venmo i don't have cash app like we use paypal over here i'm assuming maybe your your like method for payments would be venmo like when i was in america all i used is venmo visa plus acts as a bridge to bridge the two separate currency platforms mm. and when i read this when i like read this new like emerging kind of you know software technology that visa offers i was like oh my god this is you Uniswap, which Uniswap is a a cryptocurrency platform, a bridge that allows you to bridge one type of token to another type of token, which is basically 
across blockchains. Mm. So the blockchains are the, the different banking or financial institutions. If you think of them like that, it's the same technology. It's mm. just being used in a way that makes more sense for the everyday consumer. Mm. So this is mm. like, how I, where I think kind of like web three and like the, the natural evolution will be is that it won't be apparent to somebody who maybe doesn't have like, like me who thinks like, Oh my God, it's just like Uniswap. Like this is just like cryptocurrency transactions. Like these instant transactions, like they're happening in, I think in a lot of ways, probably due to pressure that consumers put on centralized financial structures or like the traditional finance world because of what has been offered and what is seen as a benefit of operating in a decentralized financial world. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that makes sense because it's essentially what you're saying. It's like the way that they're like branding it in. Yes. Yes. Easier for people that aren't in like in web three or into the metaverse it helps them like understand so it it does sound like it's like the bridge exactly exactly so it sounds like it'll like you just said it'll be in more subtle ways like it won't be this like Mm -hmm. big event that's happening until eventually it's just like the way that it is do you think that there will continue to be centralized bank centralized like the way that the world works yes it'll just be one thousand it'll just be coexisting a thousand percent like it is just like and you know especially as like regulation come like one of crypto's biggest issues right now is like the lack of regulation it's like what we were talking about earlier with like the pros and cons to everything of like you know i love that i can call up my bank and be like oh my god why can't i do this can you help me like i'm useless but i can't if i can't figure out how to you know complete a transaction or why a transaction is taking so long on the blockchain there is no blockchain customer service representative so like there are certain things in place and benefits to existing in these like trad finance worlds that make sense and that help people, I think, and that we need and that we will have to have because government just won't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. But like once regulation comes into place in crypto and in the in Web3 spaces, I think we'll have an easier time and people will be more comfortable participating in those transactions. Like I think once they figure out how to tax it and make money off of decentralized finance, they'll be be super excited to get everybody on board. (laughs) There's there's other things like, so what a couple of like probably two years ago, I was with my grandmother who lives in like on the coast of Massachusetts. She's like just barely got an iPhone. Like I was explaining the blockchain to her and she was like, oh, it's basically like a library. Like libraries have a Dewey decimal system. That decimal system keeps track of the books that are in there and using the specific codes. That's how you know where the books go. Like basically the books on the blockchain are the NFTs like and the cryptocurrency tokens. Like it all like that part kind of makes sense to her. And once you think about the like the tangible items that were given as citizens of the world, like the title to your car, the deed to your house, your social security card. These are all pieces of paper that you're expected to keep and not lose. And like, if you 
like I, if you, if you don't have your, you know, your college diploma or your high school diploma and God forbid you become a refugee of another country because there's been some crazy, like traumatic event that's happened in America, you can't prove to that other country that you've graduated college or graduated high school even like that would severely affect your, your position in life and kind of who you are. But imagine if these personal identifying documents could be kept on the blockchain connected to like your unique identifying digital address that you own and you have the seed phrase to like, I think we would just feel so much more comfortable like in life to know that these things can be transferred or held on to in a way that is safe and it's not like a random drawer in your filing cabinet where if some god forbid if something happened outside of your window or your house lit on fire you wouldn't be able to access them and then how would you prove that your house is even yours or that your car is yours yeah Yeah. these are like catastrophic events but it's like it puts it into perspective of like what the intention is right and how an opportunity yeah Mm -hmm. the opportunity too definitely Yeah. yeah so in the beginning when we were recording you were saying you were got into it when it was more pure Um, (laughs) speak to that a little bit like tell me a little bit more about like when you first started uh, getting into the web3 space and where you're at now well I will say that like what attracted me to you know web3 and crypto and nfts was this like idea of of self-governance of like autonomy and self-sovereignty like when I was in college, I was a women's and gender studies major, like with in communication major. So like I, and as a woman, like I think about autonomy all the time. I am like, how can you not, especially like as a 21st century woman in like post-Trump America, sorry to say, but like true. And I loved the philosophy of like this web three of this, this world's of the blockchain and of owning your digital identity. It just was so empowering to me. And that's where I started on my journey. Like, and unfortunately, like when things happen that are speculative, which is like almost a hundred percent of the time when it comes to crypto, a currency and NFTs, non-fungible tokens for people who don't know, is that you get gambling and you get an influx of cash and that cash creates greed. And then you have a system that is really kind of like chasing its own tail and then begins like imploding a lot and a, yeah, a bit and a lot. And that's kind of where I think we are right now, unfortunately. Like if I'm just being honest with people that like the crypto NFT space, like I would not, adv- I would never advise anybody to make any kind of financial investments, but I wouldn't be advising anybody to invest right now, like in crypto and NFTs, because it's, it was just such a bubble for sure that exploded. Mm-hmm. And the, the philosophy is still there. I think there's a lot of people that are still, you know, trying to hold on to like the pillars of the things that like I was passionate about and that mm-hmm. so many others came into this space to build Mm -hmm. and so many people have been working on for so many years but we were in a bubble for a long time for like the better part of a year and that bubble has popped Mm -hmm. and yeah that's when you see a lot of like a lot of people lose sight of a lot of the the real 
things that happen. But I mean, this happened with Instagram as well and social media, like people creating these accounts and building, buying fake followers and building them up to hundreds of thousands of followers and verification, you know, like people working at Instagram or accepting payment for verification badges. Like Mm -hmm. that is still very much a real thing. Like that is something that like you can see this greed happening when you create these like micro economies within the larger system. And I think that's where we are like in the crypto world right now, but web, three is still you know it still has potential but i think we're a long way away from it being serious at all (laughs) so there has to be some sort of happy medium like it just seems so Mm. opposite ends right it's like we should be able to protect our digital identity like have you know autonomy over our data right and it not be like one way or the other yeah and I just am like, where is that? I know. Well, it's like, it's like in anything, right? Like, mm-hmm. look at like all power structures, like all sides of the spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. you can ask that question for anything from gun control mm-hmm. to abortion rights to mm-hmm. voting regulation, like everything. Like, you can ask that question, like, why are we so like, there is philosophy behind like, society, like on in society like we have to have people that are on opposite ends of spectrums like we need conflict it's just it's like the way and I think that is like one of the things that was so clear to me like early on in my like web3 journey was that like if we want to change the world like we almost need a new way of like we need the whole world to buy into a new way of living Mm -hmm. and like in in and participating in society and behaving Mm -hmm. and it's just not going to happen because Mm -hmm. people benefit from these systems that oppress Mm -hmm. other people and that create friction and conflict and it's like it's exhausting that's why gardening bitch gardening bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah because like i'm thinking like yeah there has to be some like world like disaster which was covid and it just made people even more separate I'm tired, Brittany. I'm tired. It's tiring. Oh, no. Like it's, it's tiring. so tiring. Garden. But that's the garden away. But that's like what <laughs> that's where it's full circle, really, because it's like you have to protect yourself. Like if you wanna the first step really to protecting your digital identity is like protect your energy and your space. Mm-hmm. Like protect how you show up, like mm-hmm. your footprint on earth, like protect that. And then I think you'll do everything else with like more intention. And like mm-hmm. now is a really good, like, I think a lot of people thought like, oh, they were too late. Like they saw crazy, like sensationalized mainstream media headlines. Like, you know, this picture of a monkey sold for millions of dollars and people are like, oh, I'm too late. I did this. I did that. But like you, you actually are good because you missed the bubble. So you probably were unaffected. You didn't get hurt, like emotionally, financially, like so many have, like I've been hurt for sure. Mm-hmm. But like, you're, we're at the point where now that that bubble is popped, like people can really just learn and like educate themselves. And it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to fully dive in or like buy every book on blockchain technology and crypto or whatever, but like open yourself up to like, the future like to just like let the future come in and let tech 
kind of come in because tech is not going anywhere. Like it seems crazy. Apple just announced their VR headset. Like it seems so absurd. Like, oh my God, I'm never going to be part of that. But wait until all your neighbors or all your friends or all your family, they all have VR headsets. And then you're like, well, fuck now I need one. Like (laughs) just wait until that happens. Like it's, or your kids are getting, your kids are wanting the VR headset in the same way that we were wanting an iPhone. Mm -hmm. Like when, when we were fine with a flip phone, like I, I draw, if I drive by somebody on the street, like an old person on their flip phone, I'm literally like against the window. Like I want that phone. (laughs) Like I would love to go back. Like I would now, but I, I, I waited like on my 18th birthday, I literally went to Verizon and got myself my own phone plan so I could get an iPhone because my mom wouldn't get it for me. Like that was a status moment for me, like core memory. Like these mm-hmm. are the types of core memories that our kids will create with VR headsets. Like it's insane. Yeah, it is insane. But it, I mean, it just, even you saying that, I'm like thinking about Nintendo and how all I ever wanted was a <laughs> and a VR headset is essentially that on steroids <laughs> your your kid will be like mom wh-? you'll be like look at this nintendo like it'll uh, be like a switch or something like something that's way more than the one you like way more evolved and they'll be like what is this the graphics are shit like you really you hold the controller like i'm used to just like this thing scanning my body and it automatically like it's it's weird like it's crazy jur- i'm telling people journal about this like if you're like a daily journaler like maybe like once a month or in once in a year just like on your birthday my mom always says like you should journal on your birthday remember what you're doing whatever like keep track of like what's the new tech that I installed in my home this month or became part of my life or a new app I started using like and watch how that changes like Mm -hmm. it's crazy just even having like a ring doorbell was probably like some at, at one point people were probably like I don't need this and then you lose one Amazon package and you're like, oh my God, I got to have it. Like, (laughs) I know it's like this weird, it's this, yeah, it's like, for me, it's like, I want to evolve and grow because I was always super into tech, but then there's this other part of me that's just like, I don't want that. And I know our generation has gone through it. So crazy. Well, this was awesome, Carson. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, um, such a fun conversation. Do you have anything else you want to share before we wrap up? No, I just want to tell people that like, this is the most I've nerded out in like so long. Like I am like, please do not use this as like a barometer of like, whether or not you want to like, come stop by my podcast because the Carson Daily Show is like, you'll have to come on it sometime because we're like, I like, don't, I'm like, do you want, let's talk about therapy. Like, let's talk about TikTok. Like, let's talk about sex. Like that's, so this is like, probably I try to keep like a good foot in the real world. And like, I have to tell people like, just please do that. Like always keep a foot in the real world. And like, just know that if some of these things didn't make sense or they're confusing or you're like, what the fuck is she talking about? Like, do not worry. You are not behind. You are not late. You're not slow to any party. Like just keep living your life and just (laughs) be aware and open to things that may change. It might happen, but yeah, come find me and 
people if people have any questions they can definitely slide in the dms i'm not often on as i mentioned but i will reply to everything yeah oh awesome i'm glad that you shared that i mean that's what these episodes are all about right it is information it's to help expand awareness to things that you might not have been aware of and you just did such a great job painting a picture of it so thank you so much thank you Uh, before we wrap up, if I was to ask your friends or family what your superpower is, what would they say? Oh my God. Maybe that I can just talk about everything <laughs> forever and ever. That is a superpower. I was very yeah. impressed. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, I will share your Insta, your website um, on the show notes and your podcast as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.